I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts and the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hi guys, welcome back. Oh, welcome back to the Upbeat Dietitians pod. This episode, we'll be discussing intuitive eating, and this will include the principles it consists of, ways you can incorporate them into your life, and we have some intuitive eating resources that we'll be sharing with you all. Yes, this will be so a good excited. one. Yeah. yeah. So Intuitive uh, eating is kind of a, it's a hot topic. It's become a more hot topic conversation. I feel like there is a lot of misinformation about it out there. Yes. A lot of people arguing about what it is. So we're here and to help you out. Yes. Not to show our bias, but it is created by dietitians and it's usually taught by dietitians. So those who are often against it are typically not dietitians in my, like what I've seen. Um, Would you agree? I agree. I think there are some dietitians that don't always recommend it, but that's because of people's background with their relationship with food and that's true. Other issues that could come up around that, but that's normally like behavioral issues where yeah, it might be yeah. a very drastic adjustment to their current lifestyle. But yeah. yeah, otherwise I'd say most dietitians I know are pushing for it more and trying to educate people more about it. Yeah. Even if they don't specifically like teach it or counsel only on that, others are still promoting it because it is such a, a good way of eating. It really is. Mm-hmm. So it was created, like I mentioned a second ago, by two dietitians named Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Hope I said those right. If you are a intuitive eating specialist, please let me know because I want to get that right. Um, so those two kind of created the term, coined the term, and created the whole, um, all the principles that we're going to be breaking down for you in a minute. But they also have written books and For those of you who are not dietitians and are wanting to get more involved with this on your own, the books are a really great place to start. I've actually read um, a couple of them myself and did the audio book, and they just really guide you through the principles and how to incorporate it more in your own personal life. Mm -hmm. So I will include a link in the description um, of where to find those different different books. I have not had the opportunity yet to read any of them, but definitely something I have on my bucket list. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're eye-opening, really eye-opening. Okay, should we get into the principles? Yeah. Okay, so there are 10 different principles under intuitive eating, and we'll be kind of discussing each of them, what it means, what it's defined by, um, And we'll be talking about how you can incorporate them into your lives. And we can even discuss at some points some external factors or other influences that we've seen that go against these principles that could be potentially damaging to your life. Yeah. So the first principle we'll be discussing is the principle of rejecting the diet mentality. I know this might seem very hard for a lot of people because it kind of seems like I'm not gonna say it kind of seems like I know so many people that their nutrition and diet is such a large component of their life and it makes sense that it would be because everyone eats every day 
you need eat you need to eat to be alive and to function and um, food also plays a social component in your life as well as enjoyment and being happy and a common conversation a lot of people have is what their new diet is or what diet are you trying next but intuitive eating really pushes for dropping the entire mentality that you have to be on a diet and yeah that. and they really point out in the book this is like a big part of it that if you have like even like a glimmer of hope that a diet might be successful for you like if you even think that you ever would maybe want to try a particular diet again then you are not quite able to fully embrace the intuitive eating lifestyle so the goal is to get to a place where you don't have any of those like you fully understand that the diet mentality is not helping you and you're just fully ready to embrace intuitive eating exactly diets tend to make a lot of promises that they can't keep yes and no matter how good it sounds it's probably not true. And it really, this principle also enforces kind of like getting mad, like all those different diets that have been tried and failed and that promote themselves as being the next best thing only to have the same end result of being back to square one and that it's okay to get mad at that and be frustrated um, because that is the common result for most people. Yeah, I agree. It's it's like people are trying to become better and they're trying to become their best self and all these diets kind of like seduce them into thinking this is the way like yeah. if you do this you'll be happy once again um and it's kind of just diet over diet that is failing expectations and that's not your fault that's the diet's fault yeah Yes, it's very clearly also described, I should have said this earlier, that intuitive eating is not a diet. The goal with intuitive eating mm -hmm. is not weight loss. Um, it is all about improving your relationship with food and also yourself. Exactly. It's like a, a mindset. Yes, I more so than a mindset. diet, that's for sure. It's definitely not a diet. No, it is not. It does By no means. It has diet. these principles. They're not like a code for rules. It's... Yes these are like factors within the mindset that'll help you be better. I really want to make sure I'm not making this sound like a diet because the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah. oh my, I'm like, it is not a diet because you're not taking out, you're not restricting yourself in anything. There's aren't specific rules you have to follow. It's more so helping you figure out what your body wants. And we'll, we'll be yeah. getting more into that later, but we're going to have to get like an actual specialist on here because we're not doing it justice. We really mm -hmm. want to, it's such a yeah important conversation. So we're, we'll have to get someone on here who is super, who is actually certified. We'll get to that too, how that works, but someone who is certified in intuitive eating can really talk about this in greater detail than us, but hopefully for the meantime, this gives you a good idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Moving go ahead. on. No, I was going to say moving on to the next principle. Um, the next one is honoring your hunger. And this is kind of what it sounds like where when you're hungry, you eat food because your body is sending you these biological 
and chemical signals throughout. It's releasing those essential hormones that is indicating that it's time for you to eat or your body can benefit from eating at this time. And this is something that I've really seen to be obscured by diet culture and society because a lot of posts I've seen on social media by random people like health coaches and such, they provide all this advice of ways to curb your hunger. And that's kind of how they word it also. They're like, in order to avoid being hungry, drink a full glass of water. In order, and then if you're still hungry after that, eat something. Or they'll say, chew some gum. And then after however amount of time you're still hungry, you can eat. Or they'll say like, drink this meal replacement shake. That will curb your hunger. And it's, your body knows what it's doing. And it's, it's not sending you these hunger cues to try to mess up your life or yeah. really damage you in any way. I've seen some different dietitians post this where they'll say, like, if you have to pee, what do you do? You go pee. Like, you don't, like, try to hold it or try to mask it somehow by doing a different activity. Like, if you have to pee, you go pee. As your body's exactly. sending you a cue that it needs something to happen. And so it really is the same idea with food. And it is normal when you are dieting for years and years and years to have those cues be kind of messed up. It's not, they're not always going to be what they should be. Um, if you have been going through that diet cycle forever. So working to that, again, that end goal of being a better eater, mm -hmm. that's the right word, I guess. I don't know if it is, but um, it takes time. So learning to listen to those cues will not always be a perfect system. And you might not always hear them the way that you think you should. And that's just all part of the process, which I know is messy, but that is why, um, again, working with an RD is so important. Yeah. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Just a saying to honor your hunger from also, from first the mental block of getting over the fact that it's okay for you to eat when you're hungry, but then also being in tune with your body and figuring out, am I hungry? Yeah. Yeah, definitely more to it than, like it's easier said than done, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. sure. Okay. So the next principle, number three is all about making peace with food. So this goes into, you know, no longer labeling foods as good and bad, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods. And that means all foods, nothing's ever off limits, having no food rules. And that one also is a messy process for most people. If you have been having these food rules for so long and Getting to that place where eventually you don't have any rules might lead to overeating at times. That's just part of the journey for a lot of people. But the goal is to get to that place where you have that unconditional permission. And when that happens, you will find that you don't crave those, what you've claimed as bad foods all along. You will no longer want those all the time because you can have them whenever you want. And so our brains are wired to want what we can't have. And so we say we can't have them. And so it's what we want. But when they're all just neutral in your mind, you won't crave them quite as much as you might have been in the past. I agree. I don't really have that much to add on to that, but I feel like 
This is another really important principle. These are all important, but this is one that is possibly more common or difficult for people. I don't know if I'd say common, but it's one of the more pro common problems I've seen with people where they have this, there's this perception that certain foods are bad and um, that mindset will lead to restriction and binging, which is not good. And then you'll get upset with yourself and feel bad yourself. And it's a, it's a self-sabotaging cycle that we don't want you to experience. But really just accepting that it's okay for you to eat a slice of pizza or if it's okay for you to eat a cookie, it, life will go on and you got some enjoyment out of that food. And it's okay to eat that. And that's really what it's about because you're not really putting any restrictions in your mind around certain foods. Yeah. And food really is more about calories and nutrients. It, I'm sure we said it before on the podcast. It is a lot about, you know, feeling your emotions and it's about celebrating time with family. And again, it's just a lot more than calories and nutrition. Mm -hmm. All right. Number four is all about challenging the food police. I actually don't know a lot about, a lot about this one. It sounds saying, similar like, to the in your life. One. It does. I think it is. I don't know if it's people in your life, but it's like the idea. It's like very much what we just talked about, where it's like labeling foods as good and bad. And it's kind of in those like the food police kind of lies far down within you and with other people that they might not even be aware of, where someone might say something that is inappropriate about your food like should you be eating that or have you been good today or even if you're asking yourself those questions like did I exercise today did I do I deserve this or do I actually deserve to eat in general um it's that idea that th that nagging voice inside of your head that's kind of trying to police you on what you eat and trying to put false labels on food and make you feel guilty about what you're trying to eat. And it's about, this principle is about standing up to that and challenging it, like the principle says, and basically saying, no, I'm, you're wrong. Um, these are all societal thoughts that have been incorporated into my life over many years because there's kind of an obsession with putting foods either on a pedestal or on the opposite side that they're like terrible for them. And it really isn't that black and white mm -hmm. with food. So that yeah, was, that's what I love happened. the way you put that. Yeah. Love the way you put that. That was so good. Yeah. So the food police can be not only yourself, but everyone else around you as well. And so challenging again, either if it's yourself or people who are saying those things to you is the best way to combat that. Yeah. And also, if you don't have the confidence to stand up to someone, they, they could be a stranger who's making unwarranted comments about what you're eating. In making a mental note in your head, making sure that you don't believe them and that you're not letting them get to you because they're most likely projecting their own insecurities and thoughts onto you. And it's not personal. They have, they mostly have stuff 
going on that they're not trying to make you feel bad about themselves. That yeah. they're not trying to make you feel bad. And if they are trying to make you feel bad, then cut those people out. You don't need right. <laughs> you don't right. need toxic people Ugh. in your life trying to guilt you into what you're eating. Life is yeah. short. Eat a cupcake. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be the number one quote from this episode. <laughs> Life is short, eat a cupcake. I love cupcakes. <laughs> but mostly for the sprinkles, as you know this. Oh, I forgot. You're uh, yes. <laughs> You guys don't know Emily. She's obsessed with sprinkles. Obsessed. I will eat foods just for the sprinkles. Which I know we're not to the bonus question yet, but this is like one of the ones we probably don't agree on. I actually am not a sprinkle person. I feel like that's kind of a common, like, yeah, pretty common opinion, which I can understand why. I like how they look, but eating them, I just don't get anything from that. If you've ever eaten them plain, I don't recommend of course you have like with a spoon or what I don't know shake it right out of the <laughs> out of the container it probably was a spoon I don't can't imagine me eating it with anything else <laughs> that's true like what else would you use a knife um but yeah sorry get off topic but I love I love sprinkles she loves sprinkles definitely for the aesthetic yes <laughs> they look good don't taste good that's the bottom line I can agree with that yeah okay Principle number five, we are halfway there. This one is titled Discovering the Satisfaction Factor. So this one I'm going to directly quote from um, the Intuitive Eating website, their list of principles. So they say, to describe this one, that when you eat what you really want in an environment that is inviting, the pleasure you derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. So basically saying if you have a craving, the only way to satisfy that craving is to eat whatever you're craving. If you try to cover it with something else, you know, a lower calorie option or whatever it might be, the craving is likely going to keep on persisting. Exactly. And it can lead to that binging with we've seen with like restriction. It's another another way that people have tried curving what they have been feeling or have been craving when if you just allow yourself to consume something that will be satisfying to you the satisfaction factor will be so much higher and you'll feel so much better rather than trying to eat something else yeah and you'll be satisfied quicker too so you don't need to eat as much unless you're craving it then go for it but you likely will be satisfied a lot faster so eating less will usually be the result exactly like If you're at a social gathering and you see some dessert that looks really good, but you're telling yourself that I don't deserve that dessert, you'll probably end up thinking about it for the rest of the night. And then you could end up binging when you come home because you weren't, you deprived yourself of that when you could have just eaten the dessert and enjoyed it there. And the satisfaction of the fun environment you're in. Exactly. That's a big part too, I think, is the environment, you know, like if you're surrounded by friends and family, you again, probably won't feel the need to overeat anyway, because you're getting the satisfaction from your company along with honoring your craving as well. Exactly. That comforting environment that creates a safe space is very important. Yeah. So the sixth one is feeling your fullness. This goes right along with the second one, which is honoring your hunger. 
So basically the opposite end of that. So again, our body is sending us signals when it is hungry and when it gets full. And so making sure you are fully listening to your body when you are eating, not being distracted by, you know, scrolling through Instagram or even watching TV or if you were at work, not eating through your lunch break or working through your lunch break while you're eating, um, that can really help you to recognize those hunger and fullness cues. Remember Emily, when we learned in school about like that Hershey kiss exercise. Yes. yes. That's what I always think about when I talk about like feeling your fullness. Yes. We'll add a link it's to like that mindful today. eating. Yeah. Like you're so to like go over that activity that we had that I thought was like a really great experience that I have never experienced anything like that before. One of our professors gave us all Hershey kisses and she had us all close our eyes and then she walked us through the steps of eating a Hershey kiss, which when I say it like that, <laughs> you don't really think there are steps to eating a Hershey kiss. It's kind of just you unwrap it and pop it in your mouth and voila you're done but (laughs) (laughs) she really had us focus on the sensation of opening the wrapper and listening to the sounds and then holding it in our hand and like if you want to do this now feel welcome to if you have a Hershey kiss on hand or any type of the soft music yes at this point like close your eyes Take your candy into your hand and unwrap the wrapper. I feel like this is a meditation thing. (laughs) Um, um, But then you unwrap the wrapper and you listen to the sounds and the crinkle of the wrapper as you're opening it. And hold the candy in your hand and feel the weight and the shape of the candy and really appreciate its shape. From here on out, you can put it in your mouth. And whether this is a chocolate candy, a fruity candy, hard, soft, whatever, allow it to rest on your tongue and experience it as it melts. And really think about what is happening to the candy as it's in your mouth. Don't chew it yet, but think about the flavor you're experiencing. How would you describe those? And then once you're ready, you can take a bite of it. And what do you experience then? Is it crunchy? Is it hard because it's the hard candy and you shouldn't bite it? <laughs> Is it chewy and sticky in your teeth? Let yourself know. <laughs> You're so um, good at this. I would be like, all right, how is it? <laughs> chewy? Okay, cool. I've man. been listening to a lot of meditation recently. <laughs> yeah, that was so relaxing. Um, basically, this kind of helps you. This is mindful eating. It's different than intuitive eating, but I think they kind of go they can go hand in hand together. And it's really about thinking about what you're experiencing while you're eating. Something I love doing and my family members and friends kind of, I don't say they dislike me because of this, but I'm a very slow eater because of this activity. And it's because I like take smaller bites so I can experience the food longer. I feel like that's like the biggest hack in life. Like the (laughs) small If you love eating, do it slower. (laughs) (laughs) And like take smaller bites because then you can experience it longer. I get so sad when it's over quickly. (laughs) Um, But just like try this with like your next meal or whatever you're eating or a snack you have. And really just thinking about like the texture, the flavor, the temperature of what you're eating. And 
this will help your body while you're doing this in time. You'll also being allowing, you'll allow your body to take the time to gauge that you're eating food and send out those hormones that indicate that you are full. And I know this is also something pretty challenging because I've heard so many different things where people are like, you should eat until you feel 60% full or you should eat until you feel 75% full. And I honestly don't really know, like I couldn't tell you my percentage that my stomach is being filled up or um, what I'm experiencing at that time. I try not to go overboard or I'm like comatose. That's that's too far. (laughs) But I think this is something that also takes practice. That's kind of uh, a motif in this little episode where all of these principles take practice and the more you're aware of how your body is reacting to food, the more you'll be able to gauge your fullness. Yes. Well said. I love that little experience. I hope someone did it. I hope someone. (laughs) Yeah. If you did, let us know. We want to hear about it. Yeah. Let us know what food you use too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we did a kiss that was a really good one because it like melts in your mouth mm-hmm. and you get to experience that and then when you do chew it it's super soft and melty mm-hmm. and everyone loves chocolate so like that was just a positive experience from that exactly. that was a good one I won't forget that mm-hmm. okay number seven this one is coping with emotions with kindness so uh, this one goes a lot into about how we sometimes can be emotional eaters and I talk about this probably daily with my patients and clients because emotional eating is such a common thing to do. You know, we're feeling stressed or sad or anxious or depressed or even happy and excited. We often turn to food for a whole variety of emotions and Mm -hmm. that can be okay. Like I keep saying food is more than just nutrient nutrients and calories, but it is important to realize that when you do turn to food to cope with emotions, it's not going to fix the issue if the issue is causing those emotions. So say, for example, you are feeling super duper stressed and that causes you to overeat or eat more than you normally would. Um, That can be okay to use food as a tool to help you feel better. As long as you realize that food isn't going to fix the problem and that dealing with the problem itself is going to be the only way to actually fix that issue. Exactly. I feel like people, it's too common that people punish themselves with food, whether it's restriction I know I'm going more in the negative sense of it, not the positive with like social um, settings and such, but people will punish themselves and utilize food as a way to sabotage themselves with either restriction or binging. And I am not specialized at all with mental health or anything with that. But oftentimes I've just observed that it'll be to either suppress emotions to the point where they are no longer thinking about that and they can think about something else mm-hmm. with food, which is really sad. Yeah. And I guess this also comes down to finding coping mechanisms that aren't as self-sabotaging with, I would say, like going on a walk, 
don't let that turn into overcompensation with exercise, um, but being aware of your relationship with exercise with that, but like, yeah, walk, watching an episode of your favorite TV show, reading a chapter of one of your favorite books or a book you're working on, um, doing a meditation episode, um, anything like that, it's more so reflecting on how you react to these different factors or negative factors. I'm, I'm focusing more on just this whole thing is on the negative factors. Yeah. Um, but figure out coping mechanisms that will be good for your well-being overall. Yes. I like that you said that because when you do cope with food versus those other mechanisms, you often will only feel worse because of that whole, you know, um, overeating, feeling guilty, binging cycle. Mm -hmm. So if you're able, if you're able to cope in a more positive way with again, a walk or reading a book, um, that will make you feel likely much better about the situation than eating because of the situation or the feeling that you're having. Yeah. This is a really good opportunity for reflection on how you deal with stress. How do you cope in stressful environments or with emotions that you might not necessarily feel comfortable with what are you doing to combat those yes i love that so our eighth principle is respecting your body so this is a big thing we're gonna delve a lot into body image with this one because um everyone's body is different no matter what you eat or how you exercise, you will not look the exact same as someone else who's doing that. And there's so many different contributors into that. One of the biggest ones being genetics. And that's okay. It's really about accepting that you're going to look different and that it's okay if you look different. And I know social media and the media in general has the ideal body type has changed every decade. It's always changing, never attainable. And respecting your body is really just about, I think more about accepting it and also respecting that it can do all these crazy things no matter what it looks like. Like the capabilities of your body to like go run or sprint for a little distance if you don't like running. Uh, If you, to like go upstairs, not everyone can do that. Um, Swimming is insane. Buoyancy and all that. (laughs) You know, buoyancy. (laughs) I, I don't ever get to include that word in my average day life, so I felt excited to include it. (laughs) And on the record, nonetheless, too, for everyone else to hear. Yeah, buoyancy. I know I know that word. Boats. <laughs> nice word association. That was good. <laughs> um, but just like appreciating what your body can do. Um, I'm blanking on other ideas. If you have any at this time, like what you can- <laughs> <laughs> that would be the time to chime in. <laughs> blink, blink. <laughs> I'm just like, my brain is almost reaching its limit. I'm well, only good thing we're on number eight. Exercise. 
Um, um, yes, I uh, second everything you said. And I also want to point out that no matter what your body looks like or what stage you're at, um, all bodies still deserve dignity. They all deserve to eat. They all deserve to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really no exception to that that I can think of, at least. I don't think there is one. No. There isn't one. No. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Mic <Might> drop. <laughs> Wait, we have to keep going. <laughs> oh, get the bike back out. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're funny today. We're doing good. I know we are sure. funny today. We had like a meditation session and now we're like dropping jokes. Uh, on like last episode where we were struggling. <laughs> I couldn't even like get like, the word supplement out of my mouth. But thankfully we edited that out. So all you heard was the good stuff. The highlight. <laughs> this is a highlight reel, by the way, just like everything else. Exactly. Okay, number nine. This one is titled Movement, Feel the Difference. I always talk about this on my Instagram, talking about how physical activity is so much more than how you look. It is all about how it makes you feel. I used to be super into working out only to change my body type and the way it looked. So doing activity that you truly do enjoy, um, not just because you think it'll make your body look a certain way is very, very important and it'll make you want to do it too you know if you're doing activity that you don't enjoy the likelihood of you maintaining that type of activity is very low you know you might do it for a while because you think you should but if you don't truly enjoy it that's just not going to last exactly well when you're doing exercise that isn't enjoyable to you how it's almost like that 30 minutes or hour out of your life you're going to be miserable mm. and why would you put yourself through that when there are so many different types of activity, this doesn't have to be just restricted to like group workout classes, lifting weights, going on runs or bike rides. This can be movements such as like dancing or going on a walk or yoga or just moving around your house or like parkour. parkour. <laughs> <laughs> but finding ways to move that you enjoy and feel happy with I know one of my I not even one of the top reason I work out is for my mental health it's not even for my physical health which is it's an added benefit but it helps keep me calm and reset throughout the day and if it's really a really stressful day it reminds me of something that is mine and makes me feel happy and is reliable and I know I will enjoy it it's like me time but also movement yeah and movement doesn't have to be me time that's just my own experience yeah agreed okay last one we are wrapping up here with the principles so the last one is honoring your health using gentle nutrition. So I love this one because we, I mean, the whole basis of what we've been saying so far is that there's no good food or bad foods. Food is more than just calories and nutrition. And the biggest thing I like to point out from this one, and they quote it on their website, is that it's important to remember that you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. Having that pizza, having that cookie, that ice cream, whichever food, you feel like isn't the healthiest and doesn't have the best nutrients. That's true. Um, it's not going to deteriorate your health just by having that one thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, there's so much more to it than that. 
Emily said it earlier, it's not black and white. Um, there is so much gray area, which is a good thing. It gives us leeway and make sure we can actually enjoy what we're eating. Exactly. And also what I like to do whenever someone makes a comment like, should you be eating that? I always tell them it makes my soul happy yeah. because it might not be adding nutrient benefits really to my diet, but I'm enjoying it and that's what matters. And I really think this principle focuses on your entire well-being as an individual, that nutrition isn't just a way to reduce risk of chronic disease. It isn't just a way to lose weight, which is probably, I think, one of the most popular takes about nutrition is people think nutrition, they think, how do I lose weight? Um, Nutrition isn't just food groups and stuff. It's so much more. It's your physical, mental, and emotional well-being and how honoring all these different principles and your health overall, how you can do that through food in a way of kind of celebrating yourself in your health and who you are and what you're capable of. Yeah, exactly. This felt very empowering. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like a new woman today. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was the 10 principles. Um, that is the basics of intuitive eating. It is so much more than that. Um, that is just the yes. basics. Everyone in their journey is so, so different. And that leads me to what I want to talk about next. And that is kind of how to get more involved in this if you do want to learn more. So... Uh, There are dietitians out there who are certified in intuitive eating. And so those founders of intuitive eating have provided a way to become certified in it so that they can can specialize in teaching others how to eat intuitively. So if you are an RD listening and you would like to do that, we'll link below the link to that website of how to kind of go through that process. Um, But if you are not an RD and you're wanting to learn how to eat intuitively, We will also include some of our favorite intuitive eating dietitians, their Instagram handles in there, um, as well as the intuitive eating community forum, where there is just constant conversation about basically we already went over all those principles and how it kind of looks in people's actual lives and examples. So if you are wanting more info or more, maybe like feedback about people experiencing it. Yes, more feedback, more exposure to that. That would be a great place to start. Yeah. I think it's also important here that we include a disclaimer that we're not prescribing you on a, we're not telling you to go, this is your new diet, even though it's not a diet. Like, go be an intuitive eater now. That's not what we're telling you. Because there is, I don't know if I'd say controversy, but there's some pushback. Budding, yes, there's some pushback about intuitive eating because I think there's a lot about the way the information is presented. It seems very basic and a lot easier said than done, a lot of these principles. And that's not always what people want to hear they either want strict rules I feel or Mm -hmm. 
they're like, why would you develop this thing trying to control how I eat? And in some cases, intuitive eating, depending on someone's background, their relationship with food, um, these people are most likely already working with dietitians, but it might not be appropriate for them. And that's okay. Yeah. This isn't something that we're trying to force everyone to do, but it is something that we preach that will improve your relationship with your food and your body, mm-hmm. which is kind of an end goal of all dietitians, I think. I don't um, think so. But this is just a disclaimer that we're not going to go yell at you to be in two eaters. These are just different principles that we want you to reflect on maybe try one out to see how you can include in your life, see how you like it. Um, It's not going to change overnight. This isn't something that happens right away. It's something you have to work on over a long period of time. All these principles are very different. And the breakdown of each in terms of incorporating these into your lives can look very different. That's why it's really awesome that there are intuitive eating counselors because they're really great working people through this and helping them through their journey but um yeah these are we want to share this information with you guys and help you learn something new today and if you'd already known about this maybe provide some type of clarification on a topic you might have heard of before or even just provide a new perspective on it yeah you can enjoy yeah, it's educational. You know, if you hadn't heard of it before, we hope that you at least, you know, you learned that it existed. Not everyone even knows what intuitive eating is or that it's a thing. So hopefully mm-hmm. if that was you, you at least learned that there's a different approach out there. Nothing else has worked for you in the past and you want to do something different. Exactly. So Hannah, how do you yes, like Emily. your coffee? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I'm dying to tell you. And you know my answer is going to be longer than it should be. That's okay. So it depends on the season. That's my short answer. So as it is currently transitioning, as we're as we're recording this from winter to spring slash summer, I too am transitioning <laughs> into a beautiful butterfly. No, I'm transitioning my coffee preferences. So usually, when like the depths of winter. Also, is it depths or deaths? It's definitely depths. Depths, depths, depths <laughs> of winter. The depths of winter. <laughs> I think of Game of Thrones for some reason when I just said that. Okay. Anyway, winter in the coming. depths of winter. <laughs> stop! Winter is coming. Okay. In the depths of winter, <laughs> I am obviously super into hot coffee. And then now I will like this time of year I transition so if it's like a cooler morning I'll have a warm coffee if it's a warmer day warmer day I'll do an iced coffee Ross and I actually have this whole cold brew set up in our little fridge downstairs we have like a whole beverage fridge with like coffee wine seltzers juice all kinds of stuff but we are pretty big into cold brew I actually just got this like blueberry cold brew that I'm excited to try sounds so good but what I put in my coffee, whether it's hot or cold, is usually just like a splash of creamer. I like to try all the different flavors. So that's the gist of it. How about you? <laughs> nice. I don't know. I thought that would be longer. I don't know why. I could have gone on, but I felt like I was just rambling and it wasn't that great. So no, I'm going to cut it, it makes It made sense. It made sense. 
Um, I am not like Hannah and I don't transition with the seasons, (laughs) but I will drink cold coffee no matter how cold it is outside. Like it can be negative 20 and I will drink cold coffee. The, The reason why is because I feel like there's only a certain temperature that I like to drink hot coffee at. It doesn't stay there very long. No. And once yes. it's there, you have to drink it quickly or else I it's cold. Agree. I agree. And I get upset and I can't even drink it right away because it's too hot or I'll burn myself and then I don't taste the rest of the coffee because yeah. my tongue is burnt. And then it kind of gets that weird like bitter taste if you let it get mm-hmm. too cool. Yes, I yeah. totally agree. The only hot coffee I will now drink normally is Starbucks peppermint mocha in December. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I will put aside my cold coffee for the peppermint mocha because I love peppermint mochas. Um, but normally I also drink cold brews. I'm really a fan of like, I've been drinking a lot of Starbucks lately. So the, like the, the cold foam on top is really good. Yeah. I really like the salted cream one because I like, I don't, I used, Hannah knows this, I used to really like sweet coffees, and I don't know what happened through grad school, but I just started drinking like black coffee, and I am a new woman. <laughs> You're an adult now. I am officially an adult. I drink black coffee voluntarily multiple times, but I really don't like sweet coffee. Now, if like, when I try to do the personalized, uh, or the cu- the customized drinks where I try to like get the price down yeah. if I add too much syrup of something it's like way too sweet to me yeah which is really sad but I guess that's just my taste but it's changing yeah I normally go for cold brew with some type of like salted cream or I go for an iced latte and I used to like almond milk but now I'm trying to switch to oat milk because almond milk was not good for the environment in terms of, I watched a video on like, that That sounds like such a non-credible source. I watched some video and it taught me everything about the sustainability behind almond milk. <laughs> but just the amount of water they use to like make a singular cup of almond milk is insane. And other that. people have told me that almond milk is not good for the environment. So I'm trying to be more environmentally friendly and oat milk is also good. It's so good. And also, like, my body doesn't like milk, so that is why I do not go for any of those other types of milks or yeah. a lot of creamers because even though the flavors always look so good, even though I, I feel know. like I just drink, like, so much creamer <laughs> in little I don't coffee. measure. I just, I just dump until it's a good oh, color. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My all-time favorite Starbucks drink is the pumpkin cream cold brew. I That is so um, good. Oh my god. I'm gosh. obsessed with it. I have a, a copycat version that I created. That looks Shameless so good. Plug. It's on the blog. Um, <laughs> but it's not as good. It's good. It's really good. It's really good. It's a really good dupe, but my favorite Starbucks it's drink. It's so is good. So good. Yeah, that I remember usually, was it 2 years ago it came out? Was this I think this was only the second season this past year of it. Was it really? Yeah, because I remember it was like mind blowing to people. Yeah. 
And I was like, no more PSLs for me. Uh, no. I remember, well, they usually have it like still in January for my birthday. So I usually get for my birthday oh, for my free one. I get like a venti pumpkin spice. Wait, grill. can I go on a little rant about this? <laughs> this, this is a bonus question. This is the time, yeah. My birthday is August 23rd. And because of the pandemic, Starbucks is like, we're releasing our drink earlier. Like the, the pumpkin cold, the cold brew. But at my Starbucks, it was not released in, in time for my free Starbucks drink. Oh, rude. So I don't even know what I got. But I swear, it was like a couple of days later they released it. And I was livid. <laughs> Man. I still went and got it. Yeah. You had to pay like five bucks for it, though. I know. And I was like, oh, it could be my birthday drink. It's one of my favorite Starbucks drinks. And here we are. My so, aunt calls Starbucks five bucks because every drink is like five bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> true. It's okay. Good quality stuff. Yeah. For yeah. good quality, high quality drinks. We need um, to add that to our list of vacation spots. We need to go to the, like, the, the Seattle one. one. Yeah. You should come to Chicago. Um, we opened that new. Starbucks oh, downtown that's like four levels have you got I there? still haven't been there because of COVID oh my god so we can go they have oh it's gosh. it's so booty <laughs> but it seems so on brand I want to go but okay well that's our list that sounds awesome okay guys well that was episode five intuitive eating thank you so so much for listening and we will see you next week for episode six yes bye bye Bye.